You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, feel free to do so. The number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have a new caller today. So, new caller, what's going on? Hey, it's my long-time listener. Hey. Uh, for a song for the pa- for the Packers this year, Hate Breed, I Will Be Heard. Hate Breed, I Will Be Heard. All right, let's check it out. Thanks for the call, by the way. You were breaking up a little bit. I think it was Evan from Iowa. If not, I apologize, but that's what you will be in the phone forever. So I was told before, by not playing the music, um, I'm not doing justice to the lyrics. Fair enough. We'll do a little bit of both, because I can never understand what the lyrics are when I'm listening to any song anyways. A lot of people can. It's kind of crazy to me. They'll listen to a song and be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. It's like, how do you know what they're saying? I have no idea what they're saying. I gotta turn on the freaking caption. (laughs) I couldn't think of the word. Captions are right, I think. Okay, here we go. We'll be, I will say, it is funny to me how often these super hardcore songs um, always have elements of not really being super hardcore at all. Why are you wiping tears from your eyes? What, what's wrong? You okay? I don't get it. Anyways, it's my time to rise, stand on my feet, wipe my tears, all that stuff. Why is there spit all over your face? You have a problem? Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I mean, it, it again, it works. But like most of these songs, it's it's kind of if you just step back and look at it from a very general standpoint, right? It's my time. I'm going to step up. I'm going to do that. And if, you know, at that, it works. Um, if we dig a little too much, it seems to be a song about a guy that had some serious problems in his life, was really struggling and is trying to get back on his feet out of the gutter. Have you seen Rammstein's lyrics? They're pathetic. And and how many times I, I gotta be honest, and, and listen, I'm not I'm not in favor of war or anything, but the amount of times these bands will be like, Death, destruction, kill them all. And then be like, we gotta save the puppies. Maybe not in their music, but it's like uh, in in real life, you know, they're like extra soft about everything. I mean I understand the music is not necessarily who you are, but there are a lot of bands who the music is kind of a reflection of who they are, and you are just a phony, which I guess is a good thing, because, you know, being a demonic serial killer is probably not the best thing for a person to be, but it does just crack me up how many times that happens. Like, some of the most sensitive people are these supposed hardcore people that are talking about 
death and destruction and everything else. Like, mm, I get that you were filled with angst and wanted to scream a lot, but I think you're filled with angst because you're kind of soft, as evidenced by, uh, you know, your life outside of music. They would be the kind of people who would want more padding and less kickoffs. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying that about hate breed. I've never heard of hate breed. I don't know anything about them, but it just, it made me think of that because I keep seeing that, you know, even like anti-war. And again, war is a bad thing, but it's like you, you are screaming about like war and death and destruction in your music. Like you know that, right? Like you're promoting it and talking about how cool it is. And now you're like, don't fight. And usually it's like a political thing because, you know, they only do it half the time when somebody's president, not when somebody else is president. I don't know, just you're completely destroying your image. That's all I'm saying. Which is kind of a weird thing, because it's like none of us actually take it seriously anyways. At least I don't think so. Like, I don't think Metallica did an album and a song called Kill Em All, and they actually want everybody dead. Maybe they do, I don't know. But it would be like you find out Lars doesn't mow his grass to save the bees and stuff, you know? Like, what are you talking, what? The Kill Em All guy? Okay. Well, good for the bees, I guess. That's cool. I don't know. Maybe that's not a conflict for most people. It is It is kind of weird to me. Because some of these guys are straight up psychopaths, like for real. And some of them are uh, just artists. All right, I think I got them. Let's uh, go back to the top with Garrett. Hey, Ryan. I was just wondering. I'm planning something in uh, April of 2025 in Wisconsin, and I was just wondering how big your yard is. <laughs> uh, dimensions would be very helpful. And I was wondering, how many people would your basement sleep? I'm out. Well, unfortunately, I'm kind of far away from Green Bay and don't plan on being here. Um, but uh, to answer your question, it's not super big. But, you know, it's not fenced in or anything, so it kind of wraps around. Um, basement? Well, assuming we cleaned it and got all the toys and everything off the floor and people wanted to sleep on the floor, I don't know, few? It's not going to happen, though. <laughs> hey, Ryan, this is Dakota, that nerd in Tennessee. What's what up, up y'all? Um, yeah, I'm calling to answer that question that you had for me. Have I ever been to Memphis in May? And that answer is absolutely. Um, in fact, that quote-unquote train concert I went to that I spoke of earlier was... Uh, at the Bill Street Music Festival, which is the first weekend um, in Memphis in May. Gotcha. Uh, of course, it's not at Bill Street. Um, for those of y'all that don't know, Bill Street is our Bourbon Street, but it's better. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bill Street Music Festival is usually at Tom Lee Park, which is on Riverside, right next to the uh, Mississippi River. And it's it's pretty cool venue, uh, just like you were talking about Green Bay wide open spaces that you can set up everything we'll we'll have six seven concerts going on at one time yeah um and neither one of them hinder the other one because we have such a wide area on tom lee park yep anyway uh so i've been there i've been to um the uh barbecue fest now that's one of those you got to know somebody is cooking in it or else you ain't gonna get in uh you ain't you can't just buy tickets right the tickets are awarded to the people that are cooking and they are able to sell it, give it out, whatever. Um, I was able to go to one, and my gosh, man, it was fan-freaking-tabulous. It was awesome. I would love to go back. Unfortunately, I constantly now have to work during those times. But uh, And I don't know anybody anymore that, that cooks there, so that, that is a big issue, and I need to start networking again. 
Um, but no, Barbecue Fest is awesome. I don't even remember what the third weekend is. I've never even done that one. And then the last one is uh, Memfest, and uh, oh, yeah. haven't gone to that one either. But, uh, yeah, no, y'all get the chance. Y'all should definitely go to uh, to Memphis in May. That, that first weekend is awesome. Um, I would say that it's, well, if you're bringing your young ones, I mean, just warn them about, you know, dumb people and nasty people and all, all the kinds of people that exist because, you know, you're going to have folks dressed from almost nothing to, uh, to you know, standard folks that are fully clothed <laughs> and that are there for the music and nothing else. So there's a wide range of people that come out. People travel from all over the world. We get folks that stay in the park. Um, they, you know, I've, I've had folks from Australia camping there saying that they're going to go to the Bill Street Music Festival. I mean, it's cool stuff. But I'm running out of time, so I'm going to let you go. All right, y'all. Peace. All right, cool. Yeah, I didn't... Uh... I didn't know. I, I from the little I've seen, it didn't look like a big event. Although it sounds like there's kind of like two events butted up next to each other is kind of how you're describing it. So it becomes kind of a big event. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. And I mean it. It's kind of hard to tell. I mean, there's very few people that have ever done like YouTube videos about it or whatever. The few that I've seen, I saw one that was like an overhead thing, and I mean it, it looked bad. Like it looked like somebody built a trailer park next to a river, like, and there was nothing there. There were, you know, I mean, it was people bring their trailers and whatnot, but it just looked like not built up. And I just figured it was one of those events where it's like, it's not really, maybe it's open to the public or maybe it's not, I don't know, but um, it's not really a, an event for people. They don't really build it up for, for anything other than the competition. So I, again, I didn't want to drive all the way down to Memphis, but sounds like there's some cool stuff going on, but sounds like some of that cool stuff going on is stuff that, you know, isn't really a family thing. So, I don't know. Would be cool someday, one of these days, I don't know. Especially since it's one of the big, like, you know, I went to uh, that barbecue thing I, I mentioned in Racine, and there's there's a couple other barbecue things up here, but I don't think too many of the major cooking teams make their way up to Wisconsin, right? I mean, maybe some of the state competition guys, the SCA guys or something, I don't really know. But I'm guessing there isn't a huge, like, barbecue presence um, up here. Could be wrong, I don't know. But Memphis and May is like, they're all there. You know what I mean? Like, maybe some of the major, major guys that have proven their point already and are, you know, they're starting to drop out of it. I don't know. But any big team that you've heard of is probably at Memphis and May, and it would be pretty cool to kind of get down there and check it out. By the way, as I say all that, I'm starting to realize, and I know nobody cares because this is a Packers thing, not a barbecue thing, but, and yes, I have contemplated doing a, a barbecue thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that urge so hard to start a podcast for barbecue i don't have the time i can't do it but i I was like oh you could just do a call-in show no you can't you don't even have time to do this one anyways apparently the competition cooking is kind of dying out even though barbecue is going through the roof i think after covid which is around the time i did it but i don't think that was why i mean covid didn't really affect my life all that much i didn't have to stay home i went to work every day i'm what they call an essential employee which means i'm more important than you (laughs) anyways um Apparently, everybody decided that they wanted to become a cook or become a, a backyard uh, barbecue guy, which kind of sucks because it's like I wanted to at the same time, and I, it, apparently it's not a unique thing. Half the country decided at the same time, but it's why like certain cuts of meat are going through the roof, like pulled pork and ribs and all that stuff. Anyways, nobody wants to do the competition circuit disp- despite that, and I think I know why. At least I can speak for myself. You want to know why? Anybody? Nobody? I'm going to say it anyways. 
It's because there's a difference between cooking good food and competition food. That isn't to say competition doesn't taste good, but there are things that people do to cook these things that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were cooking for a group of people in your backyard just for a little bit of fun. And I think that's what most people, myself included, would rather do. I want to cook the food that tastes the best, not cook this overly sweet nonsense that's meant for judges who take one bite and you want your one bite to stand out. Now, I understand it if you want to get into the rub, barbecue, this, that, or the other business. You win one of those competitions, you put yourself on the map, you sell a lot of barbecue sauce. I just want my food to taste good in the backyard, so it's kind of an irrelevant thing to me. Now, SCA might be a little bit different. I don't think there's really any difference between cooking a good steak for the judges and cooking a good steak in your backyard. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I know barbecue is like you make things way too sweet and everything, and it's just... I don't want to learn and perfect doing it wrong. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, gotta get that out of my system, otherwise I'm gonna start another podcast. I'm sorry you had to endure that. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Uh, this is Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, so I'm just, I'm, I'm listening to some Colin Coward mm-hmm. because I like listening to, you know, all the, the talking heads. Sure. They're interesting. Um, not that they're smart, they're just interesting. And I, I don't know who this guy he's got on the show with him, but they're talking about Jordan Love and they're talking about the Packers and like, what can we realistically expect? And at first, Colin Coward said something that I absolutely agree with, um, that the NFC North right now is completely overrated. Uh and I, I think that is a, a really good statement because up until these teams can prove anything, I don't think that we've got the best division in the conference. Um, so, so that's number one. Um, well, I'd have to know what he meant. I mean, it sounds like most teams are expected to win like seven to – what are the Lions expected, nine? I think the Lions are maybe a little overrated, but I don't know that they're expected to really do better than last year. Maybe they are. Um, the Vikings, I wouldn't say are overrated. If anything, they might be under, um, everyone's expecting a really, really hard crash from them as am I, but, um, you know, when you take a team that went to the playoffs and had like 13 wins or whatever, and now they're expected to win like seven or eight, you know, that's pretty low expectations. Um, the bears are are really the only one that seem massively overrated. And I shouldn't even say massively. What did they win? Three games last year? They're expected to win seven. I mean, I don't expect them to win three again. I think that they, you know, most teams that were at the bottom and won three games are going to find a way to win more next year. Well, there's not a big difference between more than three and seven, (laughs) no matter what the number is. So I I guess that's somewhat of a reasonable expectation, six-ish, seven-ish. They just don't get talked about like they're the worst team in football. There's just this expected jump. And I think although there's a regression to the mean aspect, that's not what most people are talking about. They're talking about clearly they got so much better, and I don't think that that's the case. I think that they're still a really bad team that should be expected to win more games because really bad teams accidentally win more than three games every single year. And then the Packers, I mean, it just depends how you see things. I mean, I don't think that they're overrated. I don't necessarily think that they're underrated. I mean, I know seven wins is really, really low, but... You know, again, we went through that exercise. What happens if the defense is good and even the receiver's good and all that, but Jordan Love isn't? I don't think we win seven if that. You know, I don't know if we even win seven, much less more than that. So it all comes down to Jordan Love. Like, what can he do? And we don't know, so we just kind of throw out a number. I think treating him as though he's a rookie quarterback, and I think most teams with rookie quarterbacks probably don't do very well. So I think it's just kind of a very rough estimate until we get more information. So I'm not going to take it as a slight, at least, you know, from a Vegas standpoint of, you know, looking over under or whatever. 
unless they start getting into specifics, and the specifics are this roster is terrible, and unless you have this MVP candidate who can drag this dead weight around, they're not going to be able to succeed. That's the narrative that I think is stupid. Anyways, um, again, I didn't see the video, so I don't know exactly what they meant by that, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't see a ton of overrated outside of the Bears. I, I just... I really think that all of us have to temper our expectations, right? We're, we're sitting here saying, you know, the, the Bears are garbage, right? When all the talking heads are like, no, 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 watch out for the Bears this year. Watch out, Justin Fields, MVP. Right. Nonsense. Anyway, uh, the Vikings, they're completely falling apart at the seams, right. like they always do. Um, and last year they pulled a miracle out of their cap, and, and that's cool. But uh, I don't expect that to see that happen again. And the Lions, I... I, I I see them being mediocre again, and if this is this is how we expect this division to go right now, um, then then yeah, we're we're not the best in the NFC, um, because we all have to be real that Jordan Love, like, yes, we all have really high hopes for him, and I am absolutely on the Jordan Love train. I've got to remind myself multiple times that last year Aaron Rodgers looked like garbage. And I wanted to see Jordan Love in all of his glory. And you know what? I'm not expecting anything great. But I think we can at least match what we did last year with how poor Aaron Rodgers was. But this, anyway, this, this guy that's on Colin Cowherd, he's talking about, you know, what's going to be the difference from, you know, Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. And he sits there, and he has the gall to say, Aaron Rodgers is a multi-time MVP Super Bowl quarterback. When you're going to Jordan Love, you can't expect anywhere near the same because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love is Jordan Love. And I'm just like, how does this guy have a freaking job? The, I, I think you were actually doing an impression of him. I think I know who you're talking about. Um, he's actually a big, like, betting guy. But... Um... Yeah, I, I, again, this is the issue that I have. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Okay, we said this a thousand times, but are we talking about, like, peak Aaron Rodgers or 2022 Aaron Rodgers? But even if you're talking about peak Aaron Rodgers, what did you say? Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, which doesn't make sense because there's a wide range, and Jordan Love is Jordan Love. What is Jordan Love? This is what I'm saying. They're pretending that they're not... They're pretending that they're saying we don't know what Jordan Love is, but they're very obviously saying we do know what Jordan Love is, and he's bad. Otherwise, that doesn't make sense. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is Jordan Love. Unless you're just saying they're different, but what is the point of what you're saying? If what you're saying is is it's unlikely that you get another, a, a you know, your third in a row Hall of Fame elite quarterback, then yes, of course. I think 95% of Packer fans would agree with that. Even the, you know, there's probably 10%. If you put it to a poll on Twitter, there'd be a lot more yes, but it's just because it's easy to click yes and it doesn't really matter. Your life isn't on the line. You're, you're welcome to be as optimistic or just goofy as you want to be online, which I think is part of the issue with online. You know, Bears fans are like, Packer fans are so unrealistic. I'm like, I don't see that. And then they show me it and I'm like, I don't know, dude. I think they're just being stupid. That's what I think. I don't think they actually believe. Maybe some do. I don't know. But but that's it just annoys me because it's like you're trying to say this profound thing and it's so dumb. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love is Jordan Love. What does that mean? Explain to me what Aaron Rodgers is and explain to me what Jordan Love is. You can't. I know you can't do the second one, but at least give me the first one so I have some frame of reference for what the heck you're talking about. 
he's just like these these idiots don't have anything else to do with their lives except pull accolades, right? So they they, they acquire these accolades and then they say this player is great because of these accolades. They don't go, hmm. Last year, Aaron Rodgers was like bottom tier quarterback in the league. Right. He looked like garbage, hot garbage. He threw more interceptions. He threw less touchdowns. He threw for less yards. He ran for less yards. Aaron Rodgers was not good. Anyway, go back, go. Yeah, and it's crazy because we, you would expect one of these betting guys to to be a little bit more intelligent than that. That's they deal with theoretically data and numbers. Although he, that if, if we're talking about the same guy, he, he's he's obnoxious. He's like Colin Coward. They, they got these massive egos, and his whole ego is wrapped around like being sort of a Vegas insider. He always refers to him as the wise guys, as in like he knows the guys who are like putting money on these, you know, the the, the big heavy hitters. The guys that make big money on betting or whatever, the wise guys are real high on this or that, and and he he takes that to mean like he's some kind of a freaking genius. But I hate when they say that the wise guys, dude, shut up. You're not in the mob. You're not affiliated with the mob. Freaking mathlete dork. So again, I mean, look, look, there's there's as I said before with the whole variables thing, there's a wide range of things that I think you could logically come to. I mean. I think you could almost make a case for any team winning the division. In fact, I think it's pretty easy to do. The Vikings won it last year, so that's an easy argument. The Lions have essentially been ascending every single year. I don't know how they take a massive leap above what they were last year, but Aiden Hutchinson could continue to grow. Jamison will come back at some point, and I don't know. If the defense gets better, they could win another couple games or two, and if everybody else is bad, then they win the division. Packers, again. If, if the team plays at its full potential and Jordan Love is good, that's an easy one. And the Bears, I think, are easy, too. They need Justin Fields to become a really good passer. And if he is, then he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. And yeah, MVP is in the conversation, as much as it makes me sick to say it. Because when you run like he runs, and you can throw, let's say, even adequately, there you go. I still think the defense is a massive problem, but that's true of the Lions as well and the, and the Vikings. Hopefully not the Packers. <laughs> Better freaking not be the Packers. But yeah, I mean, if, if Mooney kind of gets back to what he was two years ago and DJ Moore continues to be a, a solid number one option, then you've got two solid potential two number ones, maybe not exactly top end, but at least mid to low end number ones with a scary rushing attack. I think a pretty decent offensive line because I think it was not as bad as people say it was last year. It was mostly uh, Justin Fields' fault. And, uh, you know, they got a defensive head coach, so if he can kind of scheme ways to make it at least somewhat of a formidable defense, you know, make it at least a top 20-ish defense, top maybe 15-ish, it'd be tough to do with the the quality of players you got. But, you know, if guys like Jalen Johnson or whatever, a couple of the corners wake up, and I don't know, I mean, it's it's doable. Again, the the biggest question mark for the Packers and the, the Bears, obviously, is the quarterback. Fastest path to playoffs, fastest path to winning the division is... The quarterback's really good. So, it, I mean, it just depends how you think things are going to fall. There is no real right or wrong answer. There are probably some that are more probable than others. But even then, the most probable outcome, we're talking about like a, 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 a half of a percent chance that you nailed all the variables. Even if you go exactly what the most likely outcome is for each and every one, the odds that you hit all of them, almost zero. So, who knows? It's like the parlay bet, right? Even if you take all the favorites, you're going to make a lot of money if you hit on like a hundred of them. A lot of money. Why? Because the odds that you hit all those are like zero. <laughs> even if you take all, even if you just take all the, the major, which is probably not going to be that many of them if there's only, you know, however many games. 
16 games and maybe three or four of them are expected to be blowouts. But even then, if you if you pick the four teams that are expected to obliterate the four really bad teams, the four really good teams playing four really bad teams, the odds are less than 50% then you're going to get all of them right. Hey, Ryan. Steve up in Alaska. Hey, Steve. I don't know. Looking through some uh, Packer news here. I don't do a lot of it. I get most of it off of you, actually. But right. I was sitting here looking through it. And as I was looking at the numbers and, and information, I, I started to think about something. And I'm, and I'm wondering if anybody else might agree with this philosophy that Aaron Rodgers suffered much of the same problem that Peyton Manning suffered. Okay. And that was that he was so good and he scored so many points, especially early in games, that he didn't have to play many tight games at the end during the regular season, specifically. He didn't have to play many tight games where, you know, he was in at the end of the game, the backups were coming in and, you know, I'm just doing a little cheapy handoff stuff. We're just running out clock. And so when he got into the playoffs, he didn't have the skill set developed that you would develop through the regular season of tight games and all these little close games where you're fighting and nip and tuck and you get in the playoffs and he didn't really have that developed skill because he won games so easily during the regular season. One of the things that people criticize Rodgers for is not having a lot of come-from-behind wins. But when you look at his win stats, He's not like, I mean, he's not the best, but he's up there. His last I've seen, he's up there with everybody else that's really good. But he doesn't have a lot of comfort behind wind. Why? Because he got up early, he stayed up ahead of teams, and he didn't have to learn how to play tight games in the fourth quarter. I think that's a, I think that's something that was a Rogers problem. Because of his ability. Same thing with Peyton Manning. Everybody, everybody expected Peyton Manning to be what Tom Brady was. And they played in the same era, and Tom Brady beat him. Peyton Manning couldn't beat him. Did a little later on, but couldn't beat him regularly. So, I think, uh, that was, that was, that was something that we could all consider that Rodgers is so, he's a Peyton Manning level of talent. And that hurt him, just like Peyton Manning's level of talent kind of hurt him. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think if you really sit down and think about it, it makes some sense. All right, bye, y'all. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, I guess. I hadn't really uh, considered that. Again, the way the way my brain is spinning right now would be I need to look into that and see, you know, for example, what is this the point differential in the fourth quarter for Aaron Rodgers compared to other quarterbacks? Because it's safe to assume that it's higher, but I don't, I don't know. And then again, to revisit whether or not he struggled in the fourth quarter, because even though I checked it, I think twice, I already forgot. But yeah, I mean, look, I'll put it this way: when Devontae left, it was a massive problem because Rodgers learned to play a certain way, and you know, again. We we can say he's a great quarterback, and that's true, but we, we often mistake that to mean he's great at every single possible thing ever. And really, it's entirely possible that he's really, really, really... He, he's great at a lot of things. It's also possible that he's really, really good at just 
a handful of things, right? Like we, we know the arm talent is there, right? Okay, great. But then also there's like a specific way that he plays football. And if it's not within that realm of, of whatever, then maybe he's not super great. Like when Devontae leaves and he doesn't have that guy that he can just kind of force feed the ball to and have this sort of mind meld with and just be like, you know what, you just run this route and then I know that you're going to run it and da, 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 and I'll just give you the ball and it's easy first down. What do you do when there's a bunch of inexperienced guys? I know there are really good quarterbacks that can work with inexperienced quarterbacks, for example. I think Tom Brady probably could because of the way that he plays football. It's very simplistic. It's, again, much more like Jordan Love. Very just short, short, quick timing, right? You're coming out of your break now, boom, ball's out in your hand. It's not as complicated, right? Even Tom Brady came out and said that. Like he, he didn't really construct an offense. He just played within it and played really well. And so while we do know that that's a thing, it's entirely possible that he, he developed other habits, and that could be another one of those habits, right? A certain way to play early or, or maybe a, a bad habits in the fourth quarter based on how dominant they used to be or have been at times in the first half. I don't know. I it, it's it's possible because again, we we have to stop assuming that, you know, by acknowledging that Rodgers was in some ways flawed that we're sort of destroying his entire reputation. That's obviously not true. Every single player is flawed in some way or another. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back and see what Trevor from Virginia has to say. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey Ryan, I uh, I usually to the whole movie conversation and fast beer. Come on, come on, Aaron Rodgers. It all goes back. It's just when you were a kid, you know, like the first Fast and Furious movie. I was... All right, Trevor, got to call that one back in, man. Get to the top of the mountain. I can't hear you. Hey Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, so. My wife just came up with a really good point, and I wanted to relay it. Um, and I'm currently listening to the podcast about this new NFL kickoff rule, and you might say it after I, you know, but but this is this is what my wife said. So NFL players get paid millions of dollars with the idea or understanding that they could get severely injured 
based on playing football. And that is part of the reason why they make millions of dollars. But there's a, there, there's a sect of people out there who put their lives on the line every single day and they don't get paid nearly $100,000 half the time. And I'm specifically, or my wife was specifically talking about firefighters, police officers, man, even EMTs sometimes. How much are those guys overseas getting paid? Millions or no? Okay. Sometimes have to go into really dangerous situations to pull people out. You know, uh, there's there's 18-year-olds or even younger if they get their parents' uh, permission that are signing up for the military and go and fight in wars. Right for for thirty to forty thousand dollars a year. Yet these NFL players, we have to protect them like the soft little pansies that they are. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not the players. It's the medical evaluated professional. All right, listen, people. It's, this is this is the modern day gladiator arena. I I don't know what to tell you. This is this is what this is what we enjoy. We want we want combat sports. Football is a combat sport with with some interesting rules to keep it fun and lively, and it keeps all of us entertained. But uh, I, I don't know what is up with the NFL. Um, like, Andy Reid said it best. It's it's going to be flag football soon enough, right. and ain't nobody going to watch. And uh, the no fun league is going to become the uh, no football league. Yeah. Anyway, go Petco. Yeah, you're right, and and you know the reason that police exist. And firefighters exist, despite our disdain for anything that's horrible, and we want to pretend that we live in this bubble where nothing bad happens. The reason they exist is because bad things do happen, and we can't just make rules to make fires go. Well, I, we 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 probably do that too, uh, make lots of rules. But you know what? The fires don't go away, and it's still dangerous. And we make all kinds of rules that hopefully is going to reduce crime, but of course that never works. And crime usually, whenever we do some kind of crime reduction thing, crime ends up going through the roof. Uh, for various reasons, again, that whole cause and effect thing. Um, but the point is, there is a reality, and then there is a fake reality that we're trying to create. NFL players, NFL coaches, everybody within the NFL, as well as most of the fans, recognize that sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes that bad thing is a police officer getting shot and killed out on the streets. Sometimes that bad thing is a quarterback getting a concussion in a football game. Sometimes that really horrible thing is a child getting an incurable can- uh, disease that, that they're not going to recover from. So, you know, we, we can um, continue this whole grandstanding effort where we pretend that we're the saviors of the universe by marginally, by, you know, destroying the NFL so that we can make ourselves feel better about very marginally and maybe protecting some people in a sport that is designed to hurt people or again we can just knock it off and everybody accepts the risk and everybody does by the way the nfl players accept the risk again this isn't about hey we got hurt we didn't know we were going to get hurt we're suing you you actively hid information that's why you got in trouble just knock that off and let's play football oh no 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 we got to show everyone how much we care somebody sitting in an office getting all kinds of emails from people about how horrible it is to see this and all oh it's so terrible and all that stuff when you know a a thousand emails in a year probably from 600 different people don't represent the vast majority of nfl fans players coaches nothing but oh boy they're they're getting the feeling that they're they're gonna we gotta appeal to society's palate which is we can't handle any any hardship whatsoever any bad thing must be fixed 
doing nothing is not an option, right? How often do we hear that nonsense? Doing nothing is not an option. We have to do something. No, you don't. Maybe the thing you need to do is accept reality. You are presiding over a violent sport. There is no way to make this sport not hurt people. You can't do it. And if you're willing to destroy the fabric of the game for maybe a 3 to 5% reduction in some kinds of injuries. And has anybody noticed a reduction in injuries, by the way? I feel like there's injuries all the time, constantly. In fact, one of the major reasons for injuries that we've already heard about is the fact that these guys aren't conditioned. Why aren't they conditioned? Because they're not allowed to practice anymore. Why aren't they practicing anymore? To protect the players. How's that working out, dummy? You bunch of idiots. This is what I'm talking about. You, you, you implement a rule to protect people. There, now they're not getting injured in practice. Right, they're getting injured more in the regular season now. But they're never, that's, that's the other thing. They'll never go back on it. We can't go backwards. Just like with the padding. We add more padding, it makes more injuries. So should we roll back and make it less padding? Oh no, we can't do that. That's barbaric. No, I mean, it's, it's just a rational thing to do. But I understand with your shallow thinking. Seriously, take their helmets off. See how many people lead with the, the crown of their heads. Nobody's going to do it. Everybody's going to tackle properly when you do that. Because nobody wants to hit somebody full speed with their face. Oh, we can't take him. Oh, no, that's terrible. Okay. No, you keep pushing in the wrong direction, making the game worse and getting people hurt more often. Best of luck to you, you freaking moron. Actually, uh, by the way, here's your mic again. And I, I don't know if we're limiting calls to, to once or twice a day or whatever the heck, but... Let's just, let's just leave that alone. If I decide to skip one, I'll skip one, but... I don't want every second call to be prefaced by I don't know the rules. Just forget the rules. Just forget that whole thing. Um, I, I just I gotta add this on top for this this whole new kickoff rule. Um, so I've I've told people what my job is before on here, and you know when I was younger, um, I had to I had to go work on some gutters on a roof, and my job didn't have tie off harnesses. It wasn't like uh, an industry standard yet, and. I, I was on this roof, it had just rained, I was working on it, and I fell two and a half freaking stories and landed on my back. I herniated a disc in my neck, I herniated two discs in my lower spine. The, the state of New Jersey, after two years, two years of, of going to doctors and chiropractors and, and physical therapists, right, they declared me 70-something percent disabled and barely gave me $15,000. And then they told me on top of that, the doctors that I was seeing, that I would never be able to do serious manual labor ever again in my life because I had the chance at hurting my back so badly that I could paralyze myself, right? And what am I doing now for a living? I'm working around huge machines that weigh thousands of pounds. And, and equipment that weighs thousands of pounds that at any point in time something could go wrong and it could land on me and crush me to death. I've seen, I've, I used to work in a rebar yard. I've seen a piece of rebar that was being bent on a bender table when the blade didn't properly cut it and instead of uh, cutting it through clean, the shear, it snapped the bar. The bar went flying with so much energy, 150 feet across uh, a freaking rebar yard and took somebody's top of their scalp off, right? This is equipment that there's not, and the guy had a hard hat on. There's nothing you can do about this stuff. Did they, did they shut down the rebar plant? Did they shut down operations? No. And guess what's on top of that? This guy was probably making $12 an hour. 
Yep. $12 an hour to go feed his family, hoping, you know, that he doesn't get injured so he can go to work because if he's hurt, he can't make money. Are we kidding ourselves right now? Man, people, it, 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 this is just society nowadays. People cannot tolerate reality, so they run away from it. Right. They are doing everything possible to absolve themselves of responsibility and understanding that life is dangerous. And either you have fun and enjoy it or sit in the freaking bubble that you want to put yourself in. Don't ever come out. Don't interact with people and die alone. Thank you. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. You know, I mean, I, I repair medical equipment, right? And... There have been a lot of accidents, a lot of machines that have a lot of energy, and you touch the wrong thing and you're dead. And that has happened. You know, you, you got to watch all these videos and stuff about, uh, for example, MRI is a big one. Why? Because it's a giant magnet. And if you bring the wrong thing in there, it's going to shoot into the middle of that magnet. What happens if somebody's laying in there getting an MRI? It's happened before. You know what an oxygen tank does? When it gets pulled at that velocity, when it hits a human being laying in there, they're dead instantly. It's happened to people working on the machines. But I mean, it, I, listen, this is most jobs, unless you're sitting behind a desk at a computer, which I think, you know, maybe the, the rise of those kinds of jobs is causing people to, to not have any concept of reality. I mean, it, but I mean, even those people are going to get hit by a car and, you know, this is just freaking life, dude. All right. And here's the thing. How about this? It's none of your freaking business. If somebody chooses to go into that and they do, they dedicate their entire lives just for the opportunity to be able to get in there. Let them make that decision. Just like somebody working in a, in, in, in a yard or a factory or whatever, people get seriously injured or, or killed in those things constantly. If you make that decision, I'm willing to take the risk to, to make the money and to, to get this particular job. That's between the person providing the job and the person accepting the job, and that's it. The NFL's already self-regulated. If it gets to be too violent that nobody wants it, then nobody will show up and we won't have the NFL anymore. That's not the situation. So the NFL does not need to intervene. There's nothing to intervene over. Again, there are steps that you can take to, to protect. How about fixing some of these fields? That's something that will not in any way damage the integrity of the game. And if we already know that certain types of fields are better than, than others, in terms of their safety and, and preventing injuries, which let's be honest, I think a lot of this has to do with the NFL protecting their investments. Fine, let's protect your investments. Fix the fields. The NFL should have some oversight. If you want to charge the teams for it, fine, but have regulators go out and test the fields and, and test for this, that, or the other and see if they can do it. And if they pass, I'm not talking rigorous stuff. We're not talking the uh, U.S. government, but just some basic testing. Do that. None of us are going to care. Now, I'm not saying get get carried away with it and trying to, you know, everybody's mandated to have a very specific, no, if there are repeated injuries at one field because they have this horrible turf, and we've already determined that that turf is terrible for football players, make them change it. I mean, if you want to do something, do that. You don't need to actually change the football game. And, and again, the, the, one of the biggest reasons is because there is no end to this. There can't be. What is the reason you're doing it? To reduce injuries. We've already determined that altering the game is worth it if it reduces injuries even in, in a, on a minor level. Once we set that precedent, what's going to stop it? Why would it ever stop? I'm serious. If, if you disagree with me on this, why would it ever stop? 
What's going to cause it to stop? They're going to find something else that's going to reduce injuries. In fact, I could give you a bunch of horrible suggestions right now. Ways that we could reduce injuries. First of all, we should just get rid of the kickoffs. Play at the 25-yard line. We don't have to worry about it anymore. How about this? No defender is allowed to stand more than 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. That way we won't have safeties coming from deep, coming up and smoking people. They'll just have to bail. Maybe five yards. We could have everybody within five yards and the safeties just turn and run. I mean, that would, that would reduce injuries for sure. Some of those major impacts with safeties coming from, from far away and just laying people out. But also, it's going to massively improve the amount of yards on... I mean, it's just going to be throwing 40-yard bombs all day long. Christian Watson's going to get behind these guys every single play. Win-win, right? How about you're not allowed to get down into a three-point or four-point stance? In fact, you have to be standing. That applies to offensive linemen and tight ends. That way, you're not allowed to generate velocity from the ground up. You start from a standing position. That'll reduce the impact. That'll re- reduce the, the amount of violent force that takes place. I mean, if it, re- if it helps reduce one injury... Why not do it? We got to do something probably about running backs slamming into people. Maybe what we could do is move the running backs up and only play from under center, which is hard with the center standing up. I'll grant you that. But I guess he could just hold it and then turn around and hand it to the guy, kind of like they do in little kid flag football. Speaking of flag football, why not? Let's be honest. The problem is the hitting. I'm serious, though. Give me one objection to turning this into flag football that doesn't apply to the kickoff rule. What's one objection? What is it? Thank you.